Amen. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Everybody, we're not awake yet? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to see those who knew how to set a clock backwards. Uh, other, everybody else must have sprung forward. I'm not sure. Uh, but amen. Uh, today is probably going to be our longest afternoon. It's going to seem like, you know, with that time change. But I love the long, long afternoons. I'd rather get up an hour early. Amen. We just want to go ahead and uh, sh- uh, share a few announcements that we have this morning. We want to welcome everyone to CFC. If this is your uh, first time being here, just raise your hand. We want to wave to you, say hello. You don't have to say any, any first timers. Okay. Uh, anyone watching online for the first time? Glad you're uh, watching. Glad to be with us. Glad you're here with us today. Amen. Uh, just want to continue, uh, remind everyone that if you stay connected with us, up to date uh, on social media, uh, you can find out the things. Um, if, if you notice, we, we have a website, and this is all going to be in your bulletins. Uh, you could scan this little doohickey there, that's what I call it, a QR code with your camera phone. It'll bring you to a quick link to all these things. Or you could look in the bulletin. We have a, a Facebook, a <coughs> Facebook page, a website, prayer requests, prayer wall, sermons you can listen to, giving online, and a YouTube channel. So check all those out. Subscribe to the ones that you can subscribe to and follow us, share and like everything. Uh, to help share the gospel. Amen. How many of you know that you could share the gospel by simply sharing this message that's going to be this morning? So you never know who's going to click on your page. You know, how God has God-ordained moments when people need a word from God that they'll click on it and it'll be there on your page. Amen. Also, New Generations will be premiering their morning service of today, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So if you have kids ages 6 through 11... Uh, if you're not here today and they want to watch uh, with, uh, their service in New Generations, please uh, have them tune in tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on New Generations' Facebook page. Also, uh, today at 2 p.m. this afternoon, we're going to be having our annual church business meeting. So if you're a church, CFC church member in uh, active membership, you have a membership certificate that you've actually filled out the right paperwork and uh, joined that we, we got a certificate. You're allowed to come to the church annual church business meeting where we discuss different things throughout for the year. So two o'clock this afternoon, uh, if, if you're a church member, you're welcome to come to that meeting. Uh, also, my sister's hearts book club will meet Monday, March 22nd from 5.30 to 8 p.m. If you want to know more about the book club, there's flowers on the back uh, uh, for your tables for that. And then uh, you can talk to my wife or the Arsenos back. I call them Arsenos before they were married. <laughs> Their family over there, and they'll, they'll help you with, with that. Amen. And also, uh, water baptism will be Wednesday, March 31st. So we want to encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized, you've given your heart to the Lord, uh, fill out one of the applications in the back for water baptism, turn it in to me. Again, those, anyone that have turned in a, a water baptism application before, you need to turn in a new one for, for this one. I have some from a year ago that with COVID, everything shut down, things like that. So I, I need to know how many people is going to be there that night. So if you plan on getting water baptized Monday, Wednesday, March 31st, please uh, fill out a new application and get it to me before then. 
Uh, also, uh, as it's going right now, Wednesday, April 7th, we're going to be starting back our Wednesday evening services. We're going to have uh, prayer, prayer again for adults, uh, youth service in the back, and uh, club, not club 345, kids club on Wednesday nights uh, also. So we'll have something for everybody. We won't have a nursery at that time, but everybody else will have a class for. Okay, I think that's about all the announcements we have, but do we have anybody having a birthday between now and next Sunday? Raise your hand. We just want to tell you happy birthday. Sister Luann, yeah, happy birthday. All right, anyone else? Right there, you, you having a birthday? All right, happy birthday, buddy. Anyone else? All right, if you're online, you're having a birthday, we want to wish you happy birthday. What about anniversaries, wedding anniversaries? If you have an anniversary between now and next, what, what, a birthday or? Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> She's hiding. Don't worry, we're not going to zoom in on you and put you live on Facebook. <laughs> Amen. Well, happy birthday. What about anniversaries? Anybody between now and next uh, Sunday? No? All right. Well, that's about it. Happy anniversary to those uh, there. What we're going to do now is receive our morning tithe and offerings. And what I want to do is uh, first tell you how you can give. Uh, naturally, if you're here, we, we're going to have these baskets in the front. You can come put your offering in. We've got a, I call it the birdhouse in the back, that when you walk in the far, you can put it in there if you're more comfortable doing that. But if those that are in here, uh, we want to let you know you could send it in by regular post office mail to Christian Fellowship Church, Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could go online to www.welcometochristianfellowshipchurch. There we go. Online giving available. Welcome to uh, cfc.com. You can follow the links on there. And also, we do have now text to give. Uh, so you could uh, text on your phone to give to this number right there, 985-304-2442. If you don't understand te how to text to give, ask your children or grandchildren. They'll explain it to you. All right. So uh, as we just get ready to uh, receive this morning, uh, I just want to remind everyone that we are uh, collecting money for a new air conditioning children's church. If you'd put that up on the screen, um, we have two air, that building back there uses two central units, one of them's out. Um, so we're looking, we got a great price for $4,600. Someone's going to brand new uh, in, install for $4,600. We raised over 1000 last week for it. So if you want to give uh, toward that, just make sure you mark down AC, air condition, that's what it's for. And uh, it'll go, every penny you give toward that will go toward the purchase of that air condition. Again, we're not in a, a rush to get it. But summer months are coming, so uh, it's, it's one unit keeps it cool today, but it might not be in a month from now. So if you want to give, I want to encourage you there. Online, there is a place uh, also that you could click and give uh, for that air condition. So amen. So if you would, let's stand to our feet as we uh, read our uh, scripture for giving this week. Psalms 103, verses 1 through, 1 through 5. This is good news translation. says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and do not forget how kind he is. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He keeps me from the grave and blesses me with love and mercy. He fills my life with good things so that I stay young and strong like an eagle. Take your offering and hold it in your right hand and repeat after me today. Say, as I give in today's offering... 
I rejoice. It don't sound like you rejoicing. I rejoice in all the numerous and miraculous blessings God has given to me. More blessings than I could have ever dreamed of. More blessings. Say it like a Cajun. More blessings. More blessings. More blessings than I deserve. More blessings than I could count. Blessings over every area of my life. So I rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. As Eliska begins playing, just uh, make your way out the aisle and place the offering in one of these baskets. Amen. this morning. Amen. Amen. We're going to have our call to worship this morning uh, for March of 2021. We're reading from the book of Psalms, verses 1 and 2, and also verses 8 and 9. This is from the message uh, paraphrase of the Bible. It says, I will bless God every chance I get. Can I tell you right now, you have a chance to bless God. God is blessed when his people praise and worship him. And remember, we praise him for everything he's done in our life and everything he will do. But we worship him for who he is, that he is a holy God. So I will bless God every chance I get. So my lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Let's lift up our hands right now. Father, we just come to you right now. Father, we just... Uh, I invite your presence in this place today, Father God, Holy Spirit, we ask that your spirit would move in this place, touch lives, change lives today, Father God. Have your way in this place. I pray for a special anointing upon the worship this morning as we uh, worship you and lift up your name. We give you praise for all you've done for us and we worship you for who you are. You are a holy God. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says... Amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship this morning. Heaven's under and the world was born. Life began and ends in the dust you form. Faith commanded 
Tribal, come alive! 
Jesus. How many know we need to speak? We need to speak over the dry bones. We need to speak over the dry marriages. We need to speak over the dry families. We need to speak over those who have become complacent in this, in this virus and everybody choosing to stay at home. I don't want to offend anyone, but we've become complacent. And God said we need to speak over those dry bones and call them back to life again as the church. Call them out. Call them out. Call them back into life again. Dry bones to the word of the Lord. Rise up and take your place in the house of God. Rise up today. God says, rise up today. God had put that song in my heart quite a few weeks ago. It's our job as a church. Those of you who are here, we got a call for it. Those the enemy has lied to, that the enemy has spoken things to that are not true. As his saints and as his children, not just the dead bones and the dry places, but to call forth those who he wants you to worship with side by side. God said, begin to call them out. Begin to call them out. Call out their names. Call out their name. God hears. God hears.
Come on, lift your hands. 
Victory is yours. Victory is yours. Come on, pull it down. Name it and claim it. It's yours today. Nobody can take it from you. It's yours. God says it's yours today. In the midst of 
against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and heavenly realms so the way we fight our battles is we lift up our hands in praise and worship but it's also we lifting up our hands and surrender to God because we can't fight physically against powers and principalities only the Spirit of God can do that that's why the Bible says it is not by might nor power speaking in your own ability but it is by God's Spirit that things are done so when I fall on my knees and lift my hands what I am doing is I am allowing God to move in a situation that is impossible for me you may be saying oh but you don't know what I'm going through I need a miracle I love what the first song said. God's not about to run out of miracles anytime soon. God is a miracle-working God. But we have to lift our hands to Him and worship Him and fight in spirit and truth. God inhabits or dwells in the praises of His people. Father, I just pray that You move in this place right now. You see every hand lifted up, Father. You know each and every battle that each and every person's going through right now. And Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you'd move in each and every situation, Father God. Father, we pray that thy will be done in each and every situation right now. Father God, we bind the enemy off, these, off everyone's life right now. All the traps and snares that the enemy has placed in front of each and every one, we bind them right now. And pray Father God that none of them would come to pass and we loose your spirit on their life right now Father God that you may bring life, health and life to the full in Jesus' mighty and precious name so again lift our hands surrender to him for a few moments Father we just worship you, just let him know just worship him right now Worship Him in spirit this going to let anything distract us from you this morning, Father God. Nothing going on around us, Father God. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. As we raise our hands in worship and praise. As we raise our hands in surrender. Father, I pray that you bring healing across this congregation. 
everyone in the sound of my voice that has any type of physical or emotional healing that they need right now, Father God, that you would begin healing them right now. Spirit, soul, and body.
going to give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you. Can I tell you, what we're experiencing right here is just a little taste of heaven. Yeah, it, when it speaks of the throne room of God, it speaks of the angels crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Can I tell you something? If you don't enjoy this, you won't enjoy heaven. Because this, this is just a slight taste of, the, of what it'll be like in heaven. Worship in heaven is going to be this on steroids. The presence of God is there, and your worship is going to be there. Amen. Worship changes things. Worship allows God to move in your life. Worship opens the door to God in your life. Amen. So let's give the Lord one last hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, you can shout out. Let's go. Let's go. Shout out for the Lord this morning. Amen. So glad to be in the house of the Lord. So glad for his presence. I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their class. And Amen. Get ready to put on your welding shield as the lights come back on. Amen. 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 And I got to watch out. I'm hoarse again right now from worshiping, uh, but that's okay. Uh, <coughs> Last Sunday and this Sunday, I was worshiping, and I'm shouting over there. Darren don't want to leave my mic on during worship. Uh, he says, I don't sound good. So i got to scream loud. Amen. And I'm losing my voice. I'm, I'm going to sound like uh, one of the Godfathers in the Godfather movie uh, with a scratchy voice. But glad to see everybody here today. If you get your notes out, we're, having it. we're going to start a new message today, which, is, which isn't really new. Uh, those of you that know, uh, the last two Sundays I had done a message called uh, Proverbs, Wisdom for Everyday Life. And this is kind of, I'm kind of continuing that and on that theme, I didn't get away from it because what we're doing right now, we'll ask everyone to uh, accept the Proverbs uh, 31 day challenge. Uh, many people had accepted the uh, ice water challenge for ALS and said, well, you know, I, and I've done that, I've done the ALS challenge, but look, if, if I could take the challenge of dumping ice water on me, <laughs> then why can't I take the challenge of reading a, a book of Psalms, <laughs> a chapter of Psalms a day? So the 31-day challenge, we're, we're on day 14, so you'd read chapter 14 today uh, in uh, Proverbs. There's 31 uh, books in Proverbs, so we say you just read the correlating uh, book with that. So as we get started this morning, I do want to go over a couple of things uh, that we talked about the last two weeks, because as we're reading through Proverbs, it, we want to remind you what, we, what we're reading, how it helps you, and I, I love the way uh, my brain started working now since we've done that study in Proverbs when talking about the way foolish people, uh, simple and all those things. And it helps you understand and it helps you understand, again, from Genesis to Revelation is timeless principles in God's word that never change. The principles of them never change. And it allows you to see different decisions people make in life and things. And, and the title of this message is called What Could Have Been. And I'll explain that a little bit later, but that it's a thought-provoking thing. What could have been, how things could have turned out different in my life. 
And that's what we're going to talk about. It could have been for the better or for the worse. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I just come to you right now, and I lift up each and every person within the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that every blind eye be open to the spiritual truths of your word this morning. I pray that every deaf ear be open to the spiritual truths of your word. I pray that every mind could comprehend, Father God, your word this morning. And most of all, Father, I pray that you prepare each and every one of our hearts to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not, it's not COVID. Don't worry about that. Amen. What could have been is the name of uh, the message today, but tying back in the Proverbs. And again, when we've done our study of Proverbs, uh, Matthew, if you put the first image up there, there's several things. It's not on your paper because I don't want to take up uh, room again on your papers this week. But there's two things uh, we talked about. There's knowledge and there is wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. And that's what I have titled the message, Proverbs, uh, Wisdom for Daily Life, to apply in our life. And these are the, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge means it's information. It informs me about God. Though I could have knowledge about God. And, and the easiest way to remember it is the first four letters in the word knowledge is what? No. It means you know something. You have information about something. You know something. So it the Bible informs me about God. Okay? But wisdom is called is walking with God. It's what you do with the knowledge that you know. It is how is the proper application of knowledge. So knowledge lets me know about God. Wisdom has me walk with God. The, right? And, and we use the example, Adam and Eve. They knew not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Didn't Eve tell Satan that? We are not supposed to eat from this? They knew, so they had knowledge, but she did not use wisdom because she did not listen to what she already knew. So just because you know something doesn't mean you automatically do it. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And so, second... Uh, graphic is this and those of you if you missed the last two Sundays you could go back online and watch uh, all the videos we went into much more detail than this but there are four types of people uh, spoken in the book of Proverbs and this is in life in general and I want you to understand that out of these four things it, you it, the it deals with your person of self but it's also I like to break it down on every decision I make could fall into one of these things Okay, so the, the first type of person the Bible uh, talks about in Proverbs, he's called the simple, which means simply translates that it's a person, and it usually refers to young people when, when, when you're going to be reading and it says simple, because it's lack of knowledge and lack of experience. They simply don't know. When, when an infant's born, guess what? They're, they're not dumb, they're not stupid, they just haven't exper been experienced the language yet, and they're going to learn as they grow. So the cure for that is time. Time will eventually, they'll get more experience, and uh, I, I, I use that example, and I always remember in civics class in eighth grade, uh, I don't know, how old are you in eighth grade, around 13, somewhere around there, 14, somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> But I, I remember that the teacher, when we're talking about the presidency, saying that you, could all, you had to be a minimum of 35 years old to be president of the United States. And in my mind, I'm saying, that's crazy. Why do you have to be so old? 
right? Because back then, when you, you have that simple mentality, you haven't experienced things in life. You don't realize it. Right now, if there's a 35-year-old running, I don't know if I'm going to vote for them. I don't care who it is. Because you probably, you, you, I'd like you to have a little bit more experience in life and things, right? If you're going to have surgery, wouldn't you rather a doctor that performed a thousand of the surgeries rather than you being his first one? Right? You want that experience. So uh, next was the fool. Now the f- fool is the person who knows to do what's right. He has the knowledge but refuses to do it. I, I, and the, when I say uh, decisions, you could take it to. When Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tr- tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was a foolish decision. They knew what to do, but they chose not to do it. Okay, And the results of the fool is usually tragedy. It usually ends wrong because you reap what you sow. Okay, so next thing is the mocker. Now, the mocker is the one that doesn't agree with the word of God. Uh, in Psalms 1, where it says, Do not sit in the council of the ungodly or, or the seat of the mocker. It, the mocker is referred to as someone who has no use for God. All right? So, what, you know, there's lots of things that people do not agree with that's in this word, right? You see, when they decide that, they become a mocker. They, they think they know better than God. So, it, it, again, the, the mocker is the one that thinks they know better than God. Doesn't have, you can't talk them out of it. They're, they're dead set on what they believe. And the only hope for them, the only cure for them is God. Only God could change their heart. Okay, so we, we find the last one is the wise, the one who lives God's way, the way God says, that he gets knowledge, he gets experience, he gets everything, and he lives the life that God wants him to live. So that's where we're at on that. And the, the last thing we talked about, which I left up there, is that the fear of the Lord, uh, Proverbs speaks of the fear of the Lord, and this is what categorizes the fear of the Lord, not being afraid as in frightful you know, you hear God, God coming like when Adam and Eve sinned. What happened? They feared the Lord and they ran and hid from him instead of running to him because he was what they needed. All right? But the first thing we need to realize is God is awesome. God is an awesome God. He is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. God isn't running out of miracles anytime soon. He, he, do, he can take an impossible situation and make it happen. Right? Next thing is God is always right, not sometimes right. You don't have to agree with God, but it still doesn't change that he's right. You hear me? You don't have to agree with God, but it doesn't make him less right. God's word is true. It's infallible word and what it says is what it is whether you believe it or not god is always right and god last thing is god is holy and that that's simply you know we can't quite understand and grasp holiness and that things and one day we, we may when we're in heaven and worshiping him and the, the what holiness totally is is beyond what our pea brains can understand or my pea brain i don't want to accuse you of having a pea brain i don't want want you to get mad at me there all right so understanding those things so last week we used the scripture of of those that live wise are blessed and we looked at revelations 22 12 and this is where it stuck with me today 
far this week, so you can look at your papers. What could have been? And I, I, I had used this uh, last week that those who uh, walk in wisdom are blessed. And this scripture we use where Jesus is speaking in Revelation, he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to who? Each person according to what they have done. So he says, my reward is with me and I'm coming to give it to each person according to what they have done. And I was thinking of back in school uh, and things, school's going on, we're getting a little closer toward the end of the year and they're going to start having the award ceremonies. You know, where uh, people win, the kids will win awards in different classes. They'll be awarded this, you know, math thing, uh, whatever, all the other things. And, you know, sometimes kids want to, man, I almost, I almost want it, but I didn't. All these things. But how many of you want to be sitting up in heaven at this award ceremony wondering, boy, what, what if? What if things were different? Did I fulfill the call on my life? What could have been with my life? If I wouldn't have made foolish decisions. If I wouldn't have been like a mocker and not believing these things that God's word says. What could have been? Sitting at that awards table. What could have been? And I, I want you to understand that you, you, raise your hand right now. Everyone, raise your hand. Oh, come on, you could do that. Raise your hand. Everyone that has their hands raised, God has a plan for your life. Do you not realize you did not show up on accident? You didn't surprise God with your birth. He actually knew you before you were born. God has a plan for you. And this is what I want you to understand, is that I'm going to show you through Scripture, remembering that God's principles, timeless principles, go through. So we're going to look at a few things here of knowing that people have purpose in life, that God created people on purpose for a purpose, and only you could fulfill the purpose that God created you for. So let's look at a couple of things here. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Now he's speaking to Jeremiah, but again, there's timeless principles between before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay, do you think it was just Jeremiah that he, that he knew before he formed in the womb? No, everyone. That's the timeless principle here. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And can I say, mention too here, who forms the child in the womb? According to Scripture, is God always right? According to Scripture... God formed what's in the womb. So who is man to say, I will destroy what God is forming in the womb? There's your political statement for today. All right. So he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he says, before you were born, he says, I set you apart. In other words, I had a special, I, I created you on purpose for a purpose. He says, I, I, I appointed you prophet to the nations. Now, that was Jeremiah's purpose right there, appointed him a prophet to the nations. That's not my appointment. 
uh, things, but we understand the timeless principle is that God knew you, God made you on purpose, for a purpose, and he has a specific plan for you. Can I also let you know that the devil knows what God's plans for you, so what he wants to do is destroy the works of God, is to keep you from fulfilling the purpose that God created you for. God has a plan, but the enemy has a plan. <clears throat> Again, let's go a little further. I didn't put this in your notes, but just off the top of my head, I remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We quote all the time: "For I know the plans for you." He's speaking to the nation of Israel. "For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you." So, and that was as a nation. You see, God always has plans. Things don't happen. God doesn't just do things out of the blue. He has plans for everything. Then. We're going to bring it a little closer home to you right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 10. 8 through 10. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Now let's stop for a second, because this is what I want you to begin to realize. Is we need to not take for granted the things that God has done for us. Christians need to stop taking for granted like it was nothing that God has done for them. Even when we do communion, like last week, remember the scripture that Jesus said, whenever you do this, remember me. See, because Jesus knew we, we get off into our own world and, and we just take for granted everything. We become small little brats and we don't, really sit down and really appreciate and remember what God has done for us. That, that's why his word says, even after you're saved, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, because you were saved by grace. It's not anything you done, you couldn't earn it, you still to this day don't deserve it. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and then he tells you, this not of yourself when jesus was asked about salvation he says with man it's impossible but with god all things are possible see it's not of yourself so sometimes we need to watch and keep ourselves humble before god see jesus was god's gift to us we are not a gift to god like we're there we're blessing god go oh, god couldn't make it without me well, God, you're lucky you have me on your team. We could become very arrogant and prideful, and we forget to stay humble in God's presence. Verse 9 says, Not by works, so that no one can boast. Notice how he has to keep reminding us. It's not you. It's a gift of God. You can't deserve it. You never could deserve it. You'll never earn it. There's nothing you could do that, that would say, yeah, you deserve it. If God gave us what we deserved, we'd all be in hell. That's what we deserve. The wages of sin is death. But notice verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, talking about now that you're saved and through this, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Now notice the next part. Which God prepared when? In advance. What advance means? Beforehand. 
Before you were formed in the womb, God already knew the day you were getting saved. He knew everything. We are created in Christ Jesus. We're born again through Christ Jesus to do good works, but not just good works. And I know I've said this before, uh, but I would need to share it again. Not just good works. It says the works that God prepared for us to do. The purpose that God created us for. And I always like using the example of Jesus. See, why was Jesus born? To die on the cross. For the forgiveness of my sins. That was his purpose. Now he went around when he was preaching the gospel. He went around and he, he had great crowds following him. Because he went around and said sometimes that he healed all their sick. And people, he was very popular. He was doing great works. Healing people that were sick. Delivering people that were demon possessed. And what if Jesus would have said, you know, I'm pretty satisfied with just these good works. Well, my, my, my Facebook is lighting up. I'm so popular. My Twitter account, I tweet something and boom. Everything. I'm doing such good works for my father. But he decided not to go and fulfill the purpose that God prepared in advance for him to do which was go through the cross. See, that would have been the life of what could have been. I had a life of good works, but I really didn't fulfill what God created me for. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us do, the, notice this, he says, throw off everything that hinders us. In other words, getting rid of all the things I want, becoming sensitive to what God wants for my life. He said, because notice, this isn't even sin yet. He says, throw off those things that hinder you, that distract you, that keep you from fulfilling the purpose of God, that keeps you from uh, doing God's purpose for your life. And he says this, uh, uh, to throw off all that hinders, that slows you down, and the sin that so easily entangles. He says, get rid of all that. And he says, that you have to get rid of those things. And then he says, let us. So he's talking, to, it, it comes down to me again. It comes down to you. Let us run with perseverance. Perseverance means to keep on going, never give up. Whenever you get knocked down, get back up on your feet and go again. Now notice what it says. It doesn't just say the race. It doesn't say just to run the race of life. What does it say? Read it to me. Let us run the race uh, with perseverance, the race marked out for us. In other words, the life that God created you for, the purpose you're created for. Get rid of all the junk, all the distractions, everything that pulls you away, that you're going to miss the purpose you were created for. And run that race to the end. Never give up. And he tells us with perseverance because we're going to hit obstacles in life. That makes us want to just give up and say, that's it. See, that if the devil could get you to do that, he wins. Don't let a failure, a stumble keep you down. Now, notice he goes on to say, so we fix our eyes on Jesus, 
turn toward him, the pioneer and perfecter of our feet. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Notice what he's saying. His purpose was the cross. It's not the cross that brought him joy. There was no pleasure in the cross. He endured the cross. He suffered the pain that he had to for the joy because the joy was set before him was the purpose God created him for. And by Even though the life thing brought him pain, uh, what he had to go through, the joy knowing he was fulfilling the purpose of the Father brought joy to his life even though he faced the cross. So you see, the only time you're going to find happiness and contentment is when you're fulfilling the purpose that God created you for. He endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the, hand of the throne of God. He says, so it tells us, so consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, encouraging us not to give up, not to quit. So what I want to tie this into today is everyone's familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah. And I want to encourage you this week, go ahead and read it in Judges chapter 13 through Judges chapter 16. You can read the whole thing with him there. I'm gonna, I, I skipped so many things that I wanted to put in there because I didn't want this to be a two-part message uh, today. But we, we're looking at what could have been in life. I think Samson, when, when you realize he was appointed by God to, to set the, the Israel nation free from the Philistines. Now, when you start off in verse 13, it says, Once again, the Israelites done evil in the eyes of God, and he handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. And that when Samson was born, he was born a Nazarite uh, in things. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But that uh, he would lead and deliver the people from the Philistines. His purpose. But somewhere in between his life, he kind of lost uh, several things. He, he, he lost the, the, his purpose. He kind of, I'll put it this way. At the end of his life, he has his eyes gouged out. And he's in prison pushing one of those grain-crushing things. God, God's purpose for his life was never to do that. God's purpose was never for his eyes to be gouged out and for him to be in prison. He was uh, created to deliver the people of Israel and to be a judge of Israel. But he let things get in the way. So when I make this statement, we can have functioning eyes but still be blind. I want to just share with you, Samson was blind long before they took his eyes out. Samson was blind to many things before they gouged his eye out. And that, that, that's why we need to make sure we see things clearly. Knowing what God wants for our life and never, again, never take for granted the presence of God in your life, what he has done, because I think that's what happened to Samson. He just always thought he could do, he thought he could do whatever he want and God's always going to be there to bail him out. Let me just start with this. There's God's perfect will and his permissive will. And we'll start from, I'll go back to Genesis. Was it God's will for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree from the knowledge of good and evil? No, it was not God's will. Did he permit them to? 
He allowed them. God, you know, God could have put up all kind of barbed wire or electrical fence around the thing. But he didn't. God tells you, lets you know that if you want to go off on your own, he's perfectly willing to let you. But there's consequences when you leave God. There's consequences when you leave the presence of God and decide to do things. When you make a foolish decision, what it was the cure? Tragedy. What happened with Adam and Eve when they decided to do their thing? Tragedy struck. Matthew 13, 13 says this. Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. I could have eyes, very functioning eyes, and still be blind as a bat to the things of God. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So this is what I want to go through real quick here this morning. Some of you are getting worried because I've got a lot of notes left and we've only got seven minutes left, but that's okay. Uh, just like a football game, the last two minutes could last a half hour and nobody complains. So... But what do we become blind to? Uh, what, what Samson became blind to and what we, we do? Blind to God's purpose for me. I can become blind to God's purpose for me. <clears throat> so let's look at the life of Samson. Notice Judges 13.5. Speaking to Samson's mother, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Uh, that's one of the things of being a Nazarite. Uh, things We don't have time to get into all this, but it, he was dedicated to the Lord for God's purpose. And one of the things was that he never cut his hair. Okay? And then it says this, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will, now notice his purpose, Samson's purpose. This isn't your purpose. You're not, you're not put on earth to lead the Israelites out of thing. But the timeless principle is everyone created has a purpose. He says, he will lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But yet we find him eyes gouged out and in prison. I don't believe that was God's intended way for him God works and uses all things right but Samson I think started think, thinking a little too high of himself see Samson had done many miracles when, 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 as you're going to read uh, this week through there you'll see that one time uh, when, when God's spirit would come upon him he had supernatural strength not even close to normal human strength. One time a lion attacks him, and it says that he grabbed the lion and tore him into pieces. A big lion. One time it says he went to the city gates, and if, if you know those city walls were huge gates, it says that he ripped the gates off and carried the two doors on top of his head like that and went throw it on top of a mountain. When God's spirit would come over him, he had superhuman strength. One time he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men in a fight. Problem is, sometimes when God does things in our life, we take him for granted, and sometimes we begin to start thinking it's us and not him. 
Sometimes we take for granted the presence of God in our life. And in the beginning, Samson was fully devoted, but he began to slip. He didn't get rid of those things that so easily entangled in the sin. And the presence of God actually left him. And, and we'll get into that in a second. But Proverbs uh, 29, 18 says this, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So here's our Proverbs today. When there is no revelation. In other words, when Samson forgot and became blind to his purpose God created him for, it says he cast off restraint. In other words, he started doing and living the way he wanted to and took for granted that God's presence was with him. And he left. Psalms 119, 105. The word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That's why it's so important that we get God's word in us. 2 Timothy 3.16, I don't have it in the scriptures here, but it tells us that God's word corrects us. It shows us where we make our mistakes. It trains us to live the way God wants us to live. It trains us to do things God's way. It walking a life of wisdom. So your word is, a, is a, a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. How important it is to get God's word in him. But how many times we'll take a ham sandwich over feeding on the word of God? How many days we go without reading the word of God? If, if you don't read the word of God every day, accept the Proverbs 31 challenge right now. Start with that chapter a day. Start with there. Amen. But it's important to get God's word in you because it helps guide you. It, 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 it's a light on the way that we should go. Let, let's quickly move on here. Second thing it blinds us is, to, is the power of relationships. And again, if, if you're familiar with the story of Samson, it'll make more sense to you. But the power of relationships for good and for bad. The power of relationships. How po- a relationship, everybody kind of knows the relationship with Delilah was the downfall of Samson. It wasn't the beginning of it, but he had did other things before. But that, the power of that relationship, it actually says that he fell asleep in her lap. Th- think about that. That we could get so comfortable with relationships, with, with things in our life, that we fall asleep in the lap of the enemy. The power of relationships. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. In other words, don't be a mocker. Don't think it, it ain't true. Please also don't be a fool knowing it's true and still make a foolish decision. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Samson got around some bad company and it corrupted him. He lost it all. Quickly, let's go through. Uh, Again, we're going to jump down to Judges 16 through 18. Again, there's lots of things we could have talked about uh, between these two. But the power of relationships. Notice what it says. When Delilah. I I, I like that. Uh, 
I was thinking, you know, he was flirting with Delilah, but it really should have been flirting with disaster. When you flirt with the Delilahs of your life, and I'm not just talking about people relationships, when you flirt with things that you shouldn't, when you play around with fire, you're going to get burnt. When you flirt with, disaster, with Delilahs, you're flirting with disaster. When the Delilah saw, and, and again, she had been asking him, what's the source of your strength? And she was trying to get silver from the Philistines uh, to give the source of his strength so they could take his strength away from him, which was his hair, grow along that he never was to cut it. And that, uh, that way they could subdue him, gouge his eyes out and make him a prisoner. Which God never intended. But he flirted with disaster. And finally, the third time, Delilah, uh, he finally gave in. To her. He says, then Delilah saw that he had, uh, had told her everything. So she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. And the, uh, verse 19, after putting him to sleep on her lap. Falling asleep in the lap of the enemy. Why do you think God's word says, wake up, O oh you sleepers? Wake up, O oh you sleepers. You have fallen asleep in the lap of the enemy. says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off his head. He had told her what it was, the seven braids of hair, and so began, and so began to subdue him as his strength left him. Again, he did not protect the presence of God in his life. The presence of God is not represented by how long we grow our hair now. Okay, this was a, something going on with, with Samson in that time. But he did not protect the presence of God in his life. That key, he just, he, he told it to the enemy. He was very careless. He took God's presence for granted. And sometimes we do the same thing. We don't cherish the presence of God. We just take it for granted. Like it'll always be there. Don't get so comfortable with the presence of God in your life also that you begin to think it's you and not God. See, I think Samson became so prideful at everything he began to do, he didn't care. He thought it was him and he could always do it. He became very comfortable with the presence of God instead of cherishing it. Notice what it says here. And you, you may say, oh, well, that, that's the uh, Old Testament and, uh, you know, God's Spirit doesn't leave us. God's Spirit comes into us. But notice what it does say in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit of God could be quenched in your life. Do not quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The grieve is actually a mourning or a sadness. 
to whom which you were sealed to the day of redemption. So I can grieve the Holy Spirit. I can bring grief to Him. I can quench the Holy Spirit in my life because I take it for granted and I think I can do whatever I want and that His presence is always going to be there just like it's always been. Once again, my friend, don't make foolish life decisions knowing what you're supposed to do and don't do them. Because God's Spirit, His anointing will come off of you. Back to Judges 16, 19 through 21. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue. After his strength left him, now notice this, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, which she had done those other times to test the method uh, that uh, they'd done uh, if, if, it, if it worked. And notice this, he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I, just like it's always been, God, I'll do it again. He, he awoke from his sleep and thought to himself, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. See, that's where I get. He began not cherishing the presence of God in his life and slowly began to think it's him. That he could do it. That he could, again... God will let you make those choices in your life. God's not going to control you and deny your free will. He has permissive will. He lets you make the wrong decisions. But there's consequences for those decisions. See, what happens to Samson next when they gouge out his eyes and put him in prison, I don't believe was ever supposed to take part in his life. It was a, a foolish choice he made in life. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Verse 21 says, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Chosen by God to be a judge over the nation of Israel, to lead and, and uh, uh, let them be set free from Philistine rule, he finds himself eyes gouged out because he was flirting with disaster and in prison. So, th this is the good thing. How many of you know we serve a God of second chances? God, ne God never gives up on you. God never leaves you. You leave Him. When you make those choices, you go out on your own, but God's always waiting for you to call back to Him. And, and so this story does have a partial happy ending, but it cost Samson his life. Now, let's read through this real quick. And this is what I want you to know. Failure doesn't have to be final. If you fail, call out to God. Okay, now, now don't do this purposely fail. 
and say, oh, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it. Then tomorrow I'm going to ask God to forgive me. There's no repentance in your heart for that. You hear me? There's no repentance in your heart if you're saying, I'm going to do it, then ask God to forgive. Because true repentance is going the opposite way. In other words, you're just praying, God, please forgive me that I got caught. That's basically what you're saying. But look what happens in chapter 16. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, the God, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered, Sam, uh, delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and uh, multiplied our slain. Samson, when he was serving the Lord and doing what he was supposed to, was, uh, again, attacking the Philistine people and, and beginning to bring freedom to uh, Israel. But notice what he goes on to say. While, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out from the prison and he performed to them while they stood him among the pillars. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how he performed. You know, and, and your first thought was maybe he would do some supernatural strength things, but the Spirit of God had left him. So he, it wasn't like he was, you know, the power team lifting things for people. Only thing I could think of is in a sad, pathetic shape he was in, no eyes. That they were just mocking him. They were celebrating that thing. And somehow he went out and it was such a degrading experience for him. And you see, sometimes we could have a high spot in the place of God. But if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves. That we choose to leave. We choose to make the wrong decision. We choose to take for granted the presence of God in our life. And we'll find ourselves at the lowest of lows. So we don't know what this performance was. But I guarantee you it was more them laughing. Because if you read the, the verses before again. It was, you know, they were celebrating that their enemy has been captured. Verse 26. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, why he was holding his hand? He was blind. Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. There Samson prayed to the Lord and here's the key, he cried out again. He did not let his failure be final to his life. He prayed, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me once more. Notice he's remembering and knowing where his strength came back now. He's beginning to cherish the presence of God that was once so available in his life that he lost. And he's God, just one more time, have that presence come back to me. He says, and, and let me, uh, uh, where am I here? Sovereign Lord, remember me. Uh, please, God, strip me just one more time and let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars, two columns that held up the roof, 
uh, on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and the left on the other. Samson says, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on all the rulers and all the people in it. And notice this sad statement. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. He ended well. But what could have been the life of Samson? What could have? If he would have been faithful throughout the whole time. And that's what, when we're going to be at that reward ceremony banquet, I don't want to hear or think what could have been. I want to live for God today. I know God has a purpose for me. And you see, my purpose in life is to pastor this church right now. I have a clear vision. So I live my life because I have a clear vision of what I'm supposed to do. That's why that scripture talked about it, where you have no revelation, no vision. You throw off restraints because there's no purpose. But when you realize you have a purpose, you live for that purpose, to please Him. Let's stand to our feet as we close this morning. Our first purpose is that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to restore that relationship with Him. Then God has the purpose for each and every one of us. Remember, I like to say it this way, your job is not your purpose. Okay, sometimes people say, I wonder if, if this job, what's my, beyond, and, and again, certain situations, God has jobs, certain areas for you to be. But where, in other words, wherever you're at, you have purpose. It is not your purpose. If it's on the back of a garbage truck, being on the back of a garbage truck is not your purpose. Your purpose is to be a light to everyone around you. You might be a waitress or a waiter. Your job isn't, it, it, your purpose is not waitress and waitering. It is to be a light to everyone around you. Your job doesn't define you. Your job is not your purpose, but on your job, you have a heavenly purpose. And that's what we need to start focusing on is the heavenly purpose. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I just ask everyone to close their eyes, bow their head, and just say this simple prayer this morning, inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit I am in need of a Savior. I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I invite Christ to come into my heart. I accept the free gift of salvation that comes through Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And remember, never take the presence of God in your life for granted. Amen. Cherish it. Amen.